system for when I start talking too quickly, she just raises her hand and that's how I know. So sometimes I do that. Today we're going to be going through the book of Philippians. So if you want to open your Bibles to there, we're going to be in the first chapter. And to me, I feel like reading scripture is kind of a lost uh, memory in the church. So today we're going to spend a lot of time in the word of God and a lot of time in scripture and kind of learn what God wants us to learn through reading his words and not through making our own words up. Um, I have a past, uh, pastor that is actually one of my professors, and he tells us that not to speak from our hearts, but to let God speak through our hearts. And I feel to do that, we have to be in the Word of God. So as I said, we're going to be in Philippians chapter 1. So growing up, I'm going to move this mic so I can walk around. Growing up, I've always been a baseball fan. I play baseball at Lincoln Christian, and I've always been a Cardinals fan. So I know there's some Cubs fans here probably, but <laughs> I have always been a Cardinals fan. And I remember growing up listening to the radio every night to their games when I was falling asleep and just being a huge fan. And of course, with me being a Cardinals fan growing up, I was a huge Albert Pujols fan until he left. But I was a huge fan of his. And I was lucky enough for my dad to take me to spring training one year. And we went down to Florida, and we were at their games. And they have special sessions where you can go and watch them do their batting practice and their fielding practice. This is when you get all their autographs, and you can meet them personally. And it was a blast. We got a lot of autographs when we were talking. But then I saw this elderly lady walk up to the fence. And Albert was in the on-deck circle, ready, getting ready to go hit. And she says, Albert, can I have your autograph? Now, keep this in mind that Albert is well thought of as a Christian man. He is well known as a Christian man in the baseball field. He always states he did an I am second video, and he always states that he tries to keep God at the center of his mind. But he looks back at this lady and says, excuse me, who do you think you are? And of course, this took the lady back, and he says, do I come to your office when you are working and bother you for an autograph? No, I do not. So can you back away from the fence, please? I was a young man, but wow, I knew something was wrong with that. You see, he was well thought of as a Christian man. 
but was he? He may have been on the inside. And he may have been when there were cameras around. But how is he when he thought people weren't watching or listening? And this is kind of one of the things we're going to be talking about. But as I said, we're in Philippians, which is a great blessing because we don't have to interpret a parable. And we don't have to interpret Jesus' words. We get to see what Paul was strictly saying to a church. So obviously there's still interpretation, but it makes my job a lot easier to preach on this. So I enjoy that a lot. Now, today we'll be reading a rather large amount of scripture. So if you can turn with me to Philippians 1, we're going to start in verse 3. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless. For the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord and by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ that this will turn out for my deliverance. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, that with full courage, now as always, Christ, in, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or death. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I, sh which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is the far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Now I'm going to have three main things that we are called to do in this sermon, but the first is we are called to rejoice. Paul's telling us to find joy and be thankful that God is our God. Paul states multiple times that what has happened to him has helped further his faith and has helped further God and his kingdom among our population. Now let me remind you all that Paul is sitting in prison when he wrote this. Isn't that pretty amazing here? Because their prison didn't have cable in yard time. I can tell you that much. Now granted that he is in Rome in prison, which would have been much better than any, uh, anywhere else because Rome was more sophisticated. 
the, here's what he would have been allowed. He would have been given a cell, no light, nothing, no windows. And if he had money, he could have paid for his room, which would have been by himself. He would have had a mini house to himself, still with no windows. He wouldn't have had a bathroom or anything like that. But he's still writing and rejoicing in Jesus. You see, we see him literally say, I rejoice all throughout this scripture, many times. While he's sitting in prison. Not only that, but Paul definitely had an entire rough life. Paul struggled. He was in a shipwreck. He was exiled. He was even bitten by a snake. And I hate snakes. That are one of the things that I cannot do. Spiders and snakes. I can hang in with just about anything, but when those two things come around, uh, we'll see what happens. But Paul's still rejoicing in God. Verses 12 through 20 show that very strictly. So I guess my question for you, what's the first point that we are called to do, is why can't we rejoice in our lives when Paul can rejoice from a terrible life in prison. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> we all have those days. It's all right. <laughs> but how do we get to the point where we can rejoice? Why can't we rejoice in our lives when we're going through a tough time, but we know we have brighter days coming? See, I think we fail to see the deeper meaning to our lives. I know where I'm going to end up. I know you guys do as well. And why can't we rejoice in that and be happy? These earthly possessions mean nothing. Nothing at all. But yet we struggle to see this. But we are supposed to rejoice in the bad times as well as we are in the good. Growing up, like I said, I was a huge baseball fan, but also when I moved to Indiana, I started playing football with the high school team. Now, I don't know if you have seen me, but I don't really look like a football player. I am very thin and fragile, but I had a blast while doing it. But our coach was very intense. We were a very good team, and he made sure that we had a hard time during workouts. And I remember one year, it was my first year playing with the team, and it was the last year they did this. But he took us out into the middle of nowhere said, I've got a surprise for you. As soon as he parked the bus, we had three military guys, one a drill instructor, jump on, start yelling at us to get off his bus <laughs> and to get outside. And I have never been more scared in my entire life. <laughs> this man with the little hat on gets in your face and says, get off my bus. <laughs> You take, you take off running. <laughs> There's nothing else that you do. But he put me through the hardest workout that I have ever done in my entire life. And I can tell you, we were not rejoicing at that point in time. <laughs> we were working together as a team, but we didn't want to be there. But he did make us bond and come closer together. And because of our hard work, we won the state championship the next year. And I tell you what, we were rejoicing in that. But we weren't rejoicing in the workouts. <laughs> Why? We didn't see the brighter days that were coming. This is what we need to be doing in our everyday life. And Paul tells us that in verses 12 through 20. Now, you may think you're not getting that job promotion, but you still need to rejoice. You need to find something to rejoice in because other people are watching. 
You see, your health may be going downhill, but where are you going to end up? Rejoice and be a role model. These are things to remember. Now, point number two is seen in verses 20 through 30. And this is personally one of my favorites, but the third one is definitely my favorite. But point number two is we are called to follow Christ to the end. Now, in verses 20 through 30, Paul kind of puts some subtle messages in on that. But if we reread that, we will see it again. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or death. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. That speaks wonders to me. Not only can that go with rejoicing, but it shows that he is putting his faith in Christ rather than just rejoicing. Not only is he saying thank you for allowing me to speak to other people from prison, he is saying thank you for putting me in prison and thank you for being my God. Thank you for loving me enough to make me your disciple and thank you for loving me enough to put me here because you knew I could handle this. We should not abandon our faith because we don't think our life is good enough. Paul is certain that Christ will be his focal point through it all. And can we say, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain? Because we should be able to. And that's what our end goal should be. Because where are we going to end up? One of my favorite movies of all time has a very quality quote that I'm going to put here. And it's kind of, it's a comedy show, but it's the School of Rock. I'm not sure if any of you guys have seen that movie, but I, I love that movie. Oh, good. I wish I could have watched it. Nice. Jack Black is the star of that movie, and he has a very interesting quote. And it starts with, give up, just quit. <laughs> because in this life, you can't win. Yeah, you can try. But in the end, you're just going to fail. So just give up because nothing matters. Just quit. Now, obviously, it's a funny part of the movie. But I feel that quote can work in different ways. How many times do we let Satan get in our head and tell us this? No matter what you do, it doesn't matter. You're going to fail. I have seen Satan get in the head of many people. And I've seen many people abandon their faith for reasons that could have been worked out. Just because people didn't have trust. And right here, it says, in the end, you're going to fail. In the end, you're going to lose, so just give up. Don't give up. <laughs> Keep pushing hard. Be who you are called to be. Follow Christ until the end. Why do we fail at this? It's because we think we're going to fail. And we are not trusting Christ. As I said, we should not abandon our faith because we do not see our life going the way that we want it because God always has a bigger plan. This is something that I definitely struggled with. I committed to ministry my freshman year of high school. My dad was a preacher, and so I filled in for him every now and then, and I loved it. Uh, and then... Being a preacher's kid, I definitely got to see the insides of the church. I definitely got to see 
what one family can do inside of a church. And I've definitely seen the hurt that the church can cause. And we're not supposed to be like that. We are called to love Christ until the end. And that leads me into my third and final point. We are called to be a loving church. When I came in, I was greeted and welcomed, which was awesome, and I had many people come up and talk to me. But one thing that I was drawn to was the wall back here. Of all the things that they are thankful for. And I read a couple, and one of them says, I'm thankful for the love of this church. That just makes me feel good. Because you guys don't understand how much power the church has. We may think that the church is going downhill in America, but we forget that the church is God's creation for us. Do you think God is going to let power slip away from his creation? There's a song that says, like a bride waiting for his groom, we'll be a church ready for you. We are the bride, guys. Do you really think he's going to let his bride be forsaken? He's going to take care of that, but we have to take care of it ourselves. As I said, I've seen the ins and the outs, and because of that, I walked away from ministry for a while. Just because I forgot the power that the church can still have, and I forgot the love of Christ. I've seen my dad come home from meetings almost in tears because of what has happened to him, and I've seen my father come home wanting to quit, wanting to give up. And without some people encouraging, I think he might have. But he definitely had some people there to say, hey, the church is the bride. And the church is going to be protected. And it will not be forsaken. Because it is loved and it is beautiful. But we cannot allow it to become forsaken. We need leaders to rise up. We need leaders to be who they are called to be. We need leaders to spend time in scripture to keep the church healthy. Not only this, but on the flip side, we are called to love the church. This is something that I definitely struggled with. During my internship, I served my first year. I was accused of stealing money from the church and having um, a drug cartel in my garage even just because people didn't like me and my father. And we are called to love those people through it all. Even though we don't approve of what they are doing, and we know that it is causing us hurt and it is causing us harm, we are to love them because they are God's creation, and they are created in God's image. God says to love our enemies. So we are called to love the church. So my application for this is quite simple. Love on one another. Lift up each other. Be there for each other. And we see this in verses 3 through 11. Because Paul is specifically, specifically writing to the church of Philippi. And he is saying, thank you. Which is something you don't see very often. See, in 3 through 11, he says this. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. 
and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense of the confirmation of the gospel. For my God is my witness and how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. Now let's take a minute and think of how serious that is. The affection of Christ Jesus himself. Think of how much we say God loves you and how much Jesus loves you. I know there's even a song about Jesus loves you. But Paul's saying he loves the church that much as well. And it is his prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge in all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless, for the day of Christ is filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Now, I know Philippi was the first church that he started in Europe, but he definitely had more of a relationship than that with them. Sadly, this is a letter you will hardly ever see written in today's world. This is a letter that you will not see very often. Ministers nowadays are more discouraged, and leaders, elders, deacons are more discouraged than encouraged. And we are called to be a loving church. And we are called to love the church through it all. I know many people have experienced hurt. We are called to love it through that. Will you be an Albert Pujols? Now, I don't mean his baseball skill. <laughs> I don't mean his I am second video. I mean, what will people see you as? Because people watch you in public. You may not think so, but they do. We had a speaker come and talk to us the other day at chapel. And he was talking to us, and he said, you know, I thought that I was an amazing Christian. I thought I was doing it all right until one of my work employees was sitting in the coffee room with me, just talking and listening to my conversation. And then that employee turned to him and said, I didn't know Christians acted like that. Man. <laughs> That's way more powerful than we think. Because often we think people aren't watching us, and often we think we can get away with things. But just like I was watching Albert Pujols, and just like that employee was watching his boss, people are always focused in. And if we want to grow in Christ, and if we want to grow as a church and bring other people to Christ, we have to become disciples. We have to allow other people to see God living in us. And Matthew talks about becoming fishers of men. Now, I remember in Sunday school, I was in Sunday school every week as a kid because I was a preacher's kid, and I wasn't allowed to miss a single week. But I always went faithfully because if we memorized the scripture, we got a whole candy bar. And that made me go every single week. But I remember one specific day we were talking about being fishers of men. And obviously, I was focused on memorizing the scripture for the candy bar, not for the scripture itself. But I remembered that verse. 
and I went out with my dad fishing the next week, and I was just a little boy, and I was we were just sitting there with our poles in the water, hanging out, and I go, Dad, have you ever caught any men while fishing? He looks at me and goes, what did you just say? <laughs> I said, have you ever caught men? He goes, no, what are you talking about? I said, well, in school, or Sunday school, we talked about being fishers of men and becoming a disciple. What does that mean? He just laughed. <laughs> he said, son, obviously you're too young for me to go into depth with this, so we will when you're older. But I'm going to tell you this. And what he said, I will remember for the rest of my life. It's not the people that I have caught and reeled in all the way successfully that I think about. It's the people that I have hooked that have gotten loose that are constantly on my mind. And I think that right there shows the love of the church that we are supposed to be. Because not does he think about the people he's baptized. Of course he loves them and he's encouraging them still. But what keeps him up at night are the people that said, I want to take that next step and never walk back through those doors. We are called to love through all of that. And we are called to be a disciple. Now, I can't think, help but think about the times that I should have rejoiced, and I didn't when I'm giving this sermon. There have been multiple times when I have been down on my faith and I have been discouraged and being at Christian college doesn't make it perfect. <laughs> Just like being in this church doors every Sunday doesn't make your life perfect. <laughs> people may think that, but it's not true. You know, I know a lot of people that would walk in here and put up blinders. And they would, would not be transparent. They would come because their wife made them or their grandparents called them every Sunday saying, How was church? <laughs> but they didn't really care about it. We are called to love going to church, and we are called to follow Christ to the end, and we are called to rejoice in being able to go to church. As I said, the church is the bride. However, are we able to say to live is Christ and to die is gain? I feel that that should be the final step in this message, you see? I lost a friend at a very young age, and I have seen hurt come into families are we able to say to live as Christ and to die as gain and can you say this about yourself yes I have my faults or I know I'm not perfect but I am striving to be able to say this I still have my doubts at times just like everyone does and I still have fear if anyone tells you they don't have doubts in their relationship with Christ Send them to me because I want to have a conversation and see how I can become like that. Because I have so many questions. And we just did a chapel series at Lincoln Christian entitled Room for Doubt. See, too many people think that if they have doubt, they can't walk through those doors. They think, until I have it all figured out, I'm not going to church because it's not fair to them. But there's room for doubt. Just like there's room for Jesus. Now, don't get me wrong, I love Jesus with all my heart, and I know ministry is where I'm supposed to be, and I love the church. But we all struggle, and that's okay, as long as you know that Christ loves you. Don't be discouraged. 
and don't become an Albert Pujols. <laughs> live your life. Love God. And stay to live as Christ. And to die as gain. Verse 27. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you, that you are standing in firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Only let your manner of life be worthy of Christ. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for allowing us to come together and fellowship in the beautiful creation that you gave us. Thank you for allowing us to see your bride and to be your bride. Thank you for showing us in scripture that we are to be encouraged and to rejoice. And please remind us to rejoice in all situations, in the good and the bad. Please remind us to follow Christ to the end and to stick with our faith, even if we're struggling. Also, please remind us to be a loving church, to be accepting and to be encouraging to one another. And please be with us throughout this week. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much, Lance, for the wonderful message. We really appreciate you coming out today and um, bringing us your uplifting uh, message. So thank you so much. My iPad is being problematic. <laughs> No, oh, there it is. <laughs> you are all good. I'm sorry. No, you're good. Thank you. Everyone's been coming in and out. Uh, Lord, what exactly purpose in my brain isn't even working today. I don't know what's in the oh, air good. or something today. But usually it's worse. No, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding, really. But it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Now we can just breathe. Which is this next song? <coughs>
Thank you so much. <coughs> oh, my voice is gone. <laughs> I just want to thank Ann Janelle for coming today to. Oh my gosh! Thank you so much. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Like I said, it's wonderful to uh, to be back, and uh, definitely wanted to um, um, close out the service with a uplifting song. Again, since we're in the the Easter season, um, sing because He lives. I believe in the sun. I believe in the risen one. I believe I overcome by the power of his blood. Amen. Amen. I'm alive. I'm alive because he lives. 
Thank you so much. God bless you all. Again, thank you so much, Lance, for coming out. Um, we loved hearing your message, and uh, we hope you could come back again, and thank you so much. But uh, thanks again. I have no voice now, but thank <laughs> you for the warm welcome back. Uh, have a great weekend. Take care, and God bless. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 